Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. gospel lenses on suddenly how we apply the good news about Jesus into all different situations in life becomes so obvious it's almost as if they've always been there we just haven't been looking properly the guys over at the Bible project they kind of really helpfully describe uh, gospel lenses like this so in 1 Corinthians Paul describes the problem and then he responds with some part of the gospel which is the good news of Jesus and he actually shows the way they're living is not living out what they claim to believe. And we've seen this uh, time and time again in the last few weeks as we've been looking through this letter. We have seen Paul apply this issue to divisions in the church, to squabbling, uh, to issues of sex and relationships, sexual morality. Uh, and last week, Sammy brought to us um, the issue of food, a sacrifice to idols and really looking at how we apply the gospel as we uh, relate to other believers, other Christians, and how we would take their considerations uh, into account in the way we live. That's what it looks like to apply the gospel in those situations. And we're going to continue this morning to apply the gospel uh, in situations that Paul gives us examples of. and the risk for the church in Corinth and the, the risk for us as a church in Ammonford is this, is that we use our freedom to serve ourselves. And that's the big warning in 1 Corinthians. See, the Cor- Corinthian uh, Christians were at risk of becoming quite a self-serving community. Uh, and that's something we need to maybe ask ourselves. Are we at risk of becoming a self-serving church? self-serving as Christians. And you know what? What a time, what a context to be able to test this as a church, Uh, a kind of a global crisis where as Christians, are we going to sink or are we going to swim as we apply the gospel to every situation? So this morning we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. My original remit was um, to carry on in chapter 9 and then do all of chapter 10. But to be honest, I thought, with this new format, let's keep it simple. We're just going to look at 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 23. And we might touch on some of the other verses in chapter 9 and chapter 10, but that's going to be our main focus. I'll try and keep this uh, quite brief as well. I've only got a couple of points. um, And then I'm hoping, this is quite an exciting thing about live streaming, church online, is the interaction, the comments, um, people have nothing really better to do with their time anyway. So maybe we can think of ways in the messages um, online on Facebook, on YouTube, of ways we might apply uh, these points that Paul brings to the surface to our situation in Ammonford. So anyway, let's look at that in our Bibles. 1 Corinthians uh, 9, verses 19 to 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I may win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. 
to those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though, not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I may win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that they may share with them in its blessings. That's our text. So a couple of things uh, that we need to pull out of here. As we put on our gospel lenses, as we look to apply um, this, this text to our lives, our first point is this. Paul is urging those Christians in Corinth and those Christians then in Ammonford, us, to use our freedom in Jesus to take on a position of servanthood. We see that clearly in verse 19. For though I am free, I have made myself a servant to all. Hosam was reminding us last week uh, that Paul loved to give up his rights in order for people to hear about Jesus. He, as an apostle, has a right to be paid. He has a right to be paid for the job that he does. But Paul happily, willingly gave up this right. And now Paul is developing this strand, this thought process further, defending how he interacts with groups outside of the church. You see, some looked at Paul and the way he interacted with different groups. Um, and lots of people, to be honest, thought he was a bit of a walkover, maybe a bit of a people pleaser. He was able to change his uh, personality depending on the people group he was interacting with. Um, and Paul defends this. He says, Do you know what? I'm not a people pleaser in the way you accuse me. I'm not just trying to make people happy, but actually I am taking on the attitude of a servant. Why? Well, Sammy brought to us, and this is at the end of chapter 10, Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You see, what Paul is un unpacking in all of chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, is how he imitates Jesus. The way he applies the gospel to every situation is him making an attempt, making his best effort now that he knows Jesus, to imitate him, to become more like him. And he urges us to do the same. And the best way to kind of imitate Jesus is to remind us, well, what does Jesus look like? Well, Paul wrote, helpfully, another letter to another church, uh, the church in Philippi. And in chapter 2 of that letter, Philippians 2, he says this in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So why does Paul become like a servant? It's because Jesus became like a servant. Jesus took on the attitude of a servant as he stepped down into our world. So as we look to imitate Jesus, we've got to remind ourselves, what was Jesus like? Paul is reminding us that 
the good news of Jesus transforms our thinking. So now, do you know what? If you see Jesus, if you come into relationship with Jesus, if you know your sins are forgiven because of Jesus, you will look at how Jesus lived and you will want to imitate it. You know, we, we saw this thinking as a church when we went through Mark's gospel. Oh, it was really clear. We looked at the, the life and the teachings of Jesus. And we saw, you know what, if you want to be part of Jesus' kingdom, you need to flip everything upside down. The, the kingdom of Jesus is upside down kingdom. You know, the, the strong are not the strong in Jesus' kingdom. It's actually the weak, those who humble themselves. And this is what Paul is reminding us here. Do you know what? If you want to be a Christian, if you know Jesus, you need to realize, do you know what? You've got rights. You've got freedom. You can effectively, logically, theoretically do anything, Jesus. You are free to do that. But if you really belong to Christ, you want to be like him. And if you want to be like him, you're going to have to be a servant. So we should imitate Jesus. We should look to lower ourselves. Why? What Paul says so that we may win some. In fact, Paul says that five times in this small text. Let's have a look. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant, that I might win more of them. He says, To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people. By all means, I might save some. So that is Paul's motivation to be a servant, to take on this attitude of a servant. It is to win, to win some. But what does that mean? You know, it sounds so impersonal, doesn't it? It sounds almost manipulative. So as Christians, we take on this attitude of servanthood, this loving attitude, just so we can win people, we get more people to join our little club. Um, no, that's not what it means. Actually, if we look at what it means, we actually see this is the most loving thing we can do as Christians. You know, if we look at verse 23, Paul sheds light on this. I do all of it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. You see, sharing the good news about Jesus, winning some is Paul sharing in the blessing of seeing people coming to know Jesus. You know, think about it like this. What is it? Well, it's clearly not just no longer being under the wrath of God. You know, that's a good thing. That's, that's what it means to be a Christian, no longer under the wrath of God. But it means so much more. You see, to be a Christian means to know Jesus, to have a right relationship with Jesus, to be in a relationship with the living God who did everything. As I am sitting at my dining room table this morning, I'm looking out, I can see the, the hills and the valleys, I can see the windmills, and it's, a, it's an absolutely stunning day. And the God who made all of this wants to be in a relationship with me, and he has made everything possible because he took on the attitude of a serpent. It's life-changing, isn't it? Why wouldn't you want this? Why wouldn't you want to know Jesus? So sharing the gospel, you know, it's not about just transferring information to people, but actually it's, it's showing them and, and teaching them to delight in Jesus 
And in order to obtain this, we need to really see Jesus and take on his attitude by grace. You know, if this is our desire to know Jesus, if our biggest desire is to be in relationship with Jesus, do you know what? Taking on the attitude of a servant will just become natural to us. As we put on our gospel specs, we will just see that as the obvious thing. It won't become gray and it won't become black and white. You know, as we we share our greatest desires, I think of some of my um, desires. If I think of desires outside of Jesus, I think of like so many fads and schemes and projects and uh, I get really excited about things for quite a short amount of time. Um, and you know what? I love to share my ideas with my wife, Helen. But you know what? I don't think she's overly keen on hearing it. In fact, she tells me she's sick of hearing of my schemes. Uh, and actually, you can, you can generally see her eyes roll at me a good nine or ten times in any day. But I'm so excited about some of these projects, I can't help but want to share them with her. It's a delight to me. And as I... Uh, come to know Jesus more. Sharing him becomes a delight because I love him. I know that I'm loved by him. I just want to share that. No. So Paul is urging us to give up our freedom for that purpose. You know, we saw in chapter 8, he urges us to give up our freedom so that we may encourage other Christians not to do what we're entitled to or what we might have a right to do because it makes us feel happy. Actually giving those things up for the benefit of others. Uh, and that is what Paul is now saying to us for those who are outside the church. That the same is true, that we give up our rights, we give up our entitlement, we forfeit our freedom. Why? So that we may be able to share with them the good news of Jesus. So, what does it look like for us as Christians to forfeit our right, to take on this attitude of a servant with those outside of the church where Paul uh, shows us in this letter. This is our second point. So secondly, using this attitude of servanthood, Paul takes on the cultural customs of the people he wants to reach. This is how Paul demonstrates his servant nature to others. He wants to share the good news and will take on their customs rather than forcing his own on them. You see, this is what people were criticizing him for. They say, Paul, you're a walkover, you're people pleaser. When you're hanging out with the Jews, you look just like them. When you're hanging out with the Gentiles, you do what they want to do. When you're with the Jews, you, you're eating all the kosher meat. Then you're out with the Gentiles, you're eating bacon. Doesn't make any sense. Why, why are you so fake? That's what we hate, isn't it? We hate fake people. But Paul's not being fake. He's showing us, actually, this is what servant living looks like. Sometimes as a church, we fall into this trap where we expect people to come to us. We expect them to come to our building or come to our Facebook live stream, dress a certain way, uh, behave a certain way, speak a certain way. Um, and we create barriers where, do you know what, we don't need to create them. But we expect them to come to us. It's almost this attitude, if we build it, they will come. But Paul challenges this idea. This is not the idea of servanthood. And this is the thread we see all the way through the New Testament. And this text isn't for uh, missionaries. It's not for professional church workers. Uh, this isn't a strategy on evangelism. But rather, this is a text for people like you and me, you know, fairly ordinary people trying to live fairly ordinary lives. And we, as we live our ordinary lives, 
we are encouraged to live within the culture as far as is possible around us. We see that caveat that Paul says, isn't it? He keeps saying, as far as it's possible. He reminds us that we are under the law of Jesus. We do belong to him. So as we do this, as we interact with our communities, we need to remind ourselves of that. And not everything that our community does can we partake in, but we shouldn't use that as an excuse not to. So when Paul is with his Jewish friends, he will take on their culture. Why? Well, because there's no need to offend them. Why Why do you need to offend them? You know, so if you're hanging out with your Jewish friends, yeah, take on some of the washing rituals. Maybe you need to wear certain clothes. You're not doing it because this is what makes you a Christian. You're doing it because they will make them feel more comfortable in their context. You know, and when Paul is hanging out with his Gentile friends, he will take on some of their cultural norms. So he... You know, he might not eat certain meat when he's with the Jews. But then when he's with the Greeks, you know, he doesn't want to cause unnecessary offence. So he might eat the meat as long as his conscience allows him to do so. You know, as a church, can we be better at this? You know, we need to ask ourselves questions like what barriers do we put in the way of people knowing Jesus? You know, do we put comfort and security and safety before people knowing Jesus? I think we need to give this point more thought, um, and this isn't just down to me or Sammy or the elders, but this is all of us. You know, what is it that we are doing that is putting barriers in the way of people hearing about Jesus? And it, I love some of the examples we see in the New Testament. Oh, this might make you wince at uh, 20 past 11 on a Sunday morning. Um, a couple of guys that kind of Paul mentored and hung out with, uh, you've got one called Timothy, one called Titus. Uh, Timothy, the poor guy, um, basically Paul wanted uh, uh, to go and preach in the synagogue. He wanted to be able to tell uh, the Jewish people about Jesus. Uh, and to do this, he needed to get his, uh, his young student, Timothy, circumcised. Now, Timothy was of Greek descent. He was not Jewish. Uh, and the poor guy, because Paul wanted to reach these people, took such extreme measures uh, to be circumcised. Do you know what? If I was Timothy, I think I'd want a new mentor. But why was Paul doing that? It's because he didn't want to cause unnecessary offence. By doing it, it wasn't saying that Christians need to be circumcised. No, their identity is in Jesus. But by being circumcised, it opened a door for Paul and Timothy to show love for the Jews, to be able to share the good news about Jesus. But then there's an, another example of Paul uh, hanging out with his, uh, his other kind of mentor in Titus. And uh, the Jews were telling Titus he needed to be circumcised to be a Christian. And no, Paul had, was having none of it. He was saying, no way, Jose. He closed that door straight away. Why? Well, because of the context. You see, in one, it opened doors. It stopped unnecessary offence being caused. And in that way, crack on, go for it. But when it becomes an issue of identity, when people were to look at Titus and say, you need to be circumcised, to be a proper Christian. No way, Jose. One is about opening a door. The other is about an incorrect position in terms of our identity. Our identity is in Jesus, not in ceremonial cutting. You'll be pleased to know this morning. So if you want to reach people with Jesus, just think about what are the stumbling blocks that we may have put in place. If we want to engage with people around us, if we truly want to serve them, if we truly want to love them, both practically 
and spiritually, perhaps we need to ask, what is stopping us? It's probably us. Um, and for most of us, do you know what, unless we're kind of professional evangelists, you know, our default position is one of two things. We either withdraw from the world, you know, maybe we have become a Christian from that lifestyle, so we withdraw completely, we want nothing to do with it, we see it as dangerous, we don't know how to engage with it as a Christian. Or the opposite is true, we get completely sucked in, we say we're going to get involved in culture, so we get sucked in, to the point where there is no distinction between the Christian and the rest of society. But we are called this morning to be servants, to uh, join with culture as far as possible, sharing our lives, sharing the gospel with others, and that is what we are free. This is what our rights are given to us to do. Maybe you actually don't interact with our community because actually you quite like your rights. You prefer the right not to be bothered. I know I love that right. I'm not a big fan of socialising. I'm not a huge fan of other people, if I'm being completely honest. I love the right not to be bothered. But actually, this text challenges me this morning. If I am free to serve, I have to take my freedom and give it up so that I may be bothered by people, that I may have the right to invite people into my home or to go out and greet and meet new people. I, like I think of a great example for Christians, you know, we, we are all scared of the kind of staff party, aren't we? The, the big party where our colleagues go out drinking. And it's so hard to know how to interact with that. And the, the difficulty is we either completely withdraw or we get sucked into it. So some of us need to maybe withdraw because we get sucked into that situation. But the vast majority of us, that probably isn't our weakness. It's more of a case that I don't drink. I'm not going to enjoy myself. So maybe actually I won't go, and it's not because I'm weak, it's because I can't be bothered, it's going to be boring, all my colleagues are going to be drunk. That's such a good opportunity to meet your colleagues. So what would be the attitude of a servant in that context? Perhaps you could be the designated driver, maybe you could make sure everyone gets homesick. There's so many good opportunities, and we really need to be thinking about this, applying the gospel to those situations. And what is Paul's motivation for taking on these cultural norms, not wanting to cause offence? It's the share in the blessings with them. To Paul, seeing people come to know Jesus was a delight. It was a win, as he called it. It was exciting because the new life he had received, other people were being in receipt of it also. And I think we have a really big challenge on our hands in this new age of coronavirus. A challenge to show the community that we do love them, that we have a hope and we want to share it with them. It seems clear to me that so many of us, and I, I include myself in this, we are fearful at this time. There is a, you know, there are people all over the world dying of this virus. Um, we are taking extreme measures to self-isolate, uh, social distancing, etc. We're having daily press conferences from the Prime Minister. It is a worrying time. There's no certainty. Jobs are at risk. You know, we think of those amazing hospital workers and supermarket workers who are actually putting themselves at risk in order to serve us. And why is it such an uncomfortable time for us? It's because as a world, we lack hope. 
We can't see hope in this current time. But actually, as Christians, we do have hope. And Paul refers to this at the end of chapter 9. He, he has this metaphor of the athlete, of, of being disciplined, of exercising self-control as we, as we put the gospel lenses on. And you see, as Christians, as we live this life through our gospel lens, uh, verse uh, 25, why do we do it? We don't do it in, in receipt of perishable prizes like athletes do. But actually, we are in receipt of an imperishable prize. Our hope isn't something that can't be ruined. Our hope isn't something that is permanent, everlasting, eternal. So actually, when uh, we don't know what's going to happen in our world now, as we are kind of um, with so much anticipation, what is going to happen? But we know this. Our position in Jesus is secure. It is permanent. It is imperishable. That is something to be excited about this morning. It's an encouragement. This is why we do it. This world, this isn't everything to the Christian. To the Christian, this world is fleeting. It will pass us by before we know it. But our relationship with Jesus is everlasting. And that stops now. Our eternal life starts now. As soon as we know Jesus, our eternal life starts. And that is the encouragement here this morning. And we haven't got time, but we've got, you know, if you read this uh, later today or later in the week, chapter 10, who will discuss how the biggest threat to living out this gospel is our love of self. It's such a strong desire to want to take our rights back to become self serving but the gospel rips through that it rips through self and it replaces our selfish heart with that of a servant but remember the prize is permanent it's imperishable you cannot damage it no act of yours is going to take you away from jesus so in the comfort encouragement and knowledge of that that you are weak people really but your prize is secure in christ so look to him in this moment look to Jesus, not to yourself. So Paul sums it up. Paul sums it up perfectly in chapter ten. You know, he says, "So whether this is uh, verse thirty-one, chapter ten. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offence to Jews or to Greeks or to the Church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage." But that of many, that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Paul sums it up lovely, doesn't it? And if we were to apply that to our life, we would just have to ask two questions before we do anything. Will this honour God? And is this motivated by love? Will this honour God? And is this motivated by love? That is what it looks like to put our gospel lenses on, to apply the, the, the life of Jesus to our own lives. You know, will we take on that attitude of a servant? Will we want people to know about Jesus? Will we want to show acts of love to people? Well, let's ask ourselves those two questions. By doing something, will it honour God and is it motivated by love? You know, there's so many practical ways we can help and serve our community. You know, Sammy has reminded us this morning of that, that card that we can post through people's letterboxes. How can we serve our neighbours? How can we serve our healthcare workers? 
how can we serve those working in supermarkets and, and in other essential professions to keep this country running whilst the vast majority of us are called to sit on our sofas and wait this out? How can we show love? How can we put on this attitude of a servant? Well, I love that the best way is to come back to Jesus. If we look at Philippians 2 again, just before we see uh, Jesus shows us the ultimate uh, position of servanthood is to die on a cross for a broken world, to come down to this world, a sick world. You know, excuse the pun, Jesus does not self-isolate, but he comes down into the world to save us. And just before that verse, Philippians 2, verse 3, this is what it looks like if we take on our attitude to become imitators of Jesus. It means to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to pass us back to Sammy, um, and I'm sure he's going to get his guitar out. He is, he is loving that at the moment, isn't he? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you have not left us to work this out on our own. You have not um, instructed us to just go into the world and make the best of it, but actually you stepped down into our world. You lived the perfect life. You uh, showed what it means to be the ultimate servant. You went to the cross to die for our sins so that we could be brought back into right relationship with you. And not only that, Lord, but that you give us every good gift through Jesus. And to know Jesus is to gain. This is what it means to be a, a Christian, that we gain so much from you, Lord. Father, I pray that would be our ultimate motiv motivation this morning, uh, this week, in the coming months, that we would look to know you more and to apply that in our lives so that more people would know you. We thank you that the gospel is true. We thank you that it is uh, such an upside-down gospel. It's not as we expect it to be, but the king becomes a servant, and so too do we. So help us, Lord, encourage us, Lord, give us the grace, and give us your spirit so that we may become more like you because of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you found today's message useful and challenging. And we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now. Why not get in touch with us via email at contact at amfordchurch.com if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss. If you want to know more about what's going on at Amford Church, make sure to like us on Facebook. And lastly, check out our YouTube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts. Thanks for listening.